0: This is a uh, um, a momentous uh, week in our in our in our nation, Um, and yet I'm just overwhelmed uh, even more than I thought I would be that that um, of this contrast. Right, we've just shared the Lord's table, this this remembrance of of what God has done, this obedience to His commands the the unity it represents among all believers, and yet we live in a world that is just full of rebellion instead of obedience uh, to the Lord's commands uh, and, and division. And yet the same Jesus who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be dismayed. Also said, in this world, you will have tribulation. Um, I am not an apocalyptic preacher. Um, But I do believe that no matter who wins this election, from the presidency all the way down to the local elections, I do believe that the days of this republic are numbered, and that that number is far smaller than what most of us would want, most of us would desire. And I hope that I am wrong about that, but I really don't think that I am. And not too long ago, that realization was something that completely consumed me it worried me it made me anxious and god used that consumption that worry that anxiety to reveal to me that i had made this nation my idol please don't misunderstand me i am not giving up on the republic I am not giving up on the great experiment that it is. I am still an ardent supporter of it. I am still engaged in defending the Constitution. And I urge you to be involved and, and to, to petition the government when it does errors, or when it errors, and to support it when it does good. And by all means, cast your ballots this week, or if you already have, praise God for that, but do that voting within the dictates of your conscience as bound by scripture, God's will in the person of Jesus Christ, in the wisdom that is given us by the working of the Holy Spirit. But, where I was once completely undone by the thought that this republic might fall. I am now saddened and angered by the squandering of God's blessings caused by our ungodly pursuits. Somehow, though, in that that anger and that sadness, God is building in me a sense of contentedness. Again, as Josh, Josh defined that the steady confidence in that God's care and power are at work in our faithfulness and so I can move from the what if this republic falls to even if this republic falls, this republic that I have spent the majority of my life since I was 17 years old supporting and defending against all, all enemies, foreign and domestic and I know many of you took similar oaths but it's brought me from worrying about what if to even if And then God has asked me to ask, what then? And this is the what then question that I have been just going over and over, and even more so since March, since we first decided that we would no longer meet in person. And the question I've been asking is this, if, whether due to another lockdown... Or sickness or accident or circumstance or even the collapse of the Republic in the rule of law if all of us as as elders right Bob and and, and Doug and, and, and Tim and Don and Josh and me if all of us who have been called and commissioned to as shepherds of this flock were separated from you what then what would we hope What would we desire for you in our absence? And I believe, as we continue to go through Philippians, that Paul was asking a similar question. Though he hoped, we read, to be released and and, and to return to the Philippians, he also held out the very real possibility that he would not, that he would be poured out as a drink offering. And so he writes this letter to them from prison, a letter that encourages them and, and challenges them, exhorts and warns and commands and compels, and now in chapter 4, turns toward its conclusion. So over the past two weeks, we've been talking about contentedness, and the secret of Paul's contentment is, again, of having a steady confidence that the, God's care and power are at work in our faithfulness moving from the what if to the even if, but now as we get to verse 14, he asks, what then? And we see that even in his contentedness, he is asking, what then? If I am never to return to you, the Philippians, what then do I desire for you in my absence? He seeks something more, And this might seem strange because he just spent the last several sentences saying how content he was and talking about the secret of his contentedness. And I know that I I was raised to think that contentedness was was on our, our refrigerator magnet, right? Being content is being happy with all that we have, even if there's nothing more. And yet Paul is content, yet not satisfied. So as we read, starting in verse 14, he says, Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving, except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help again, sent me help for my needs once and again. Paul has just written about his supreme contentedness, uh, the secret thereof, that I can do all things in him who strengthens me. Paul can be content, not because of his external circumstances, not because of the Philippians' generosity, but because of God. Because the God who is with him, who strengthens him, who helps him, who upholds him in his righteous right hand, is able to make all grace abound to him. So that having sufficiency in all things at all times, that Paul might abound in every good work. And yet, though he is content in this, though he rejoices in it, he is encouraged and uplifted by the Philippians and their generosity, they're sharing with him in his circumstances. It is a generosity that stands out from that of others. It reaches across miles. It, it, remember this from last week: that, that while we were still worshiping in the field, right, that it was generosity not only in finances, but it, it, that it had nearly cost them the life of their beloved brother Epaphroditus. And so we are called to lay hold of contentedness, again, that steady confidence that God's care and power are at work in our faithfulness and take hold, lay hold of the joy that comes when God's care and power are displayed through the faithfulness of others. But then he says, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit having spoken of contentedness in the midst of his circumstances and of his joy and the kindness of the Philippians sharing in those circumstances, Paul says that he doesn't seek those gifts, but seeks something else. And so last, uh, in the last weeks, Josh talked about this awkward thank you note, right? Uh, thanks, finally, not that I needed it in the first place, love, Josh. Paul makes it even more awkward, right? He says, I'm content. God supplies what I need. He even provided gifts through you. Not that I want them. I'm content. I'm actually looking for something else. And if you read this in many of our translations, you might think that the something else that Paul is, re- is seeking is some sort of return on his investment that fills an account, maybe even a literal bank account, as is preached by some. Philippians is such an encouraging letter that, that verses from it are all over. Right? It's probably the, like my refrigerator magnet of, of the, the teaching on contentedness. There are refrigerator ma- magnets everywhere with little bits of Philippians on them. Josh mentioned that they're underneath athletes' eyes. They're on T-shirts, though, refrigerator magnets, bumper stickers, the the strangest places you will see fragments of Philippians. But it is very difficult to get to Paul's complex meanings in the book of Philippians when we look at the language that he's using outside of the context that he uses it. As, As Jeff often said, right, text without context is pretext. And so Paul used some pretty interesting word choices in the original Greek for verse 17. Words that if we don't slow down and look at them and and look at what he's written before and after, uh, not just to the Philippians but to other churches, it becomes very difficult to translate and understand in English. And to give you an idea of of that difficulty, I just want to read some of the different translations we see, some of the the well-known English translations of the last half of verse 17. Uh, Yeah, verse 17. If you're in the Red Pew Bibles, the ESV, it says, I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. And if you read that, you might say, again, that Philippians are, are to be repaid for their generosity, that he seeks fruit and blessings to increase for them, To their credit. Here's some other translations. King James, I I desire fruit that may abound to your account. I seek the credit that abounds to your account, the profit which increases to your account. Different, Different versions. As we move more towards from word for word to thought to thought translations, what I desire is that more be credited to your account. I want you to receive a reward for your kindness. I do want you to experience the blessing that issues from generosity. And, and while I really believe that all of these are honest attempts to get at the words and the thoughts of what Paul is trying to convey, that there is a significant difference between one that says, I seek the true the fruit that increases to your your credit, and the one that says that, that I want you to receive a reward for your kindness. I favor the First translation to the second, but I don't think either of them really get there if they are taken outside of context. And this is because of three key words in there. The ones that the ESV translates as fruit, increases, and credit. And it would take paragraphs of commentary to to try to explain all the nuances there, but I think we can get a lot of this by just going into the context The first one, Carpon, fruit, is is a relatively well-known one within the, the, the New Testament. Jesus tells us that we will recognize true teachers from false ones by their fruit, that the fruit of the gospel is evidence of gospel growth, and that ultimately that his body and blood would fall to the ground like a seed to rise again and produce the fruit of new life. Paul uses this concept of fruit throughout his letters. He talks about the, the fruit of sin, even, and death against that of spirit and life. And he, and he lists examples of what some of this fruit is. Right? In Galatians, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And in such context, and we see this throughout his letter to the Philippians as well, that, that a fruit is evidence of gospel transformation. And like the literal fruit of the vine, it is what provides something to be shared with others. Every healthy tree, Jesus tells us, bears good fruit. God ordains our circumstances to prune us so that each of us who abides in Christ, who is pruned by God the gardener, will produce more fruit. And contrary to what the prosperity gospel might preach, Paul does not seek for the Philippians to have this fruit uh, so that they can receive it, but instead for, that they can produce it, that they can share it. The next word that we see is increases. That, that fruit is abounding, is to abound. It's a, for for our English teachers, it's present participle, right? It's is abounding. Uh, One dictionary I read, I love this, said super abounding, overflowing in the lives of the Philippians. But here's where it gets really interesting, is that word that that the ESV translates as credit. And you might think of this fruit is abounding to be put into some sort of savings account. But in the context, it is put into a spending spree instead. The word here for account, believe it or not, is logos, and that's one you probably know, The word, it's the one that John uses to describe Jesus. It has so much meaning. It can mean account, it can mean credit, but not in the way of a depository, but much more like we might say that she gives a good account of herself, or his behavior is to his credit. Again, John uses it to describe the word that became flesh, In the the Greek of the time of of Paul, this logos concept was, was the idea that the whole world is sort of held together by this reason, this purpose. Vine's Expository Dictionary gives one reading as the divine essence. In this light of all the translations I read, the English translations I read this week preparing I really like the way Young's literal translation came up. I seek after the fruit that is overflowing to your account. Like Paul to the Philippians, your elders seek after the fruit that is overflowing to your account. I believe that God has done some great work at FCBC. And he's done some amazing work in the elders towards building us up in confidence, in contentedness, sorry. The trials of this year, but in years past with previous elder boards, uh, have all sort of prepared us for what has been absolutely a crazy year. There's been unstableness, unpredictability, uh, th- this this constant changing uh, If you think in January, we were talking about sending Josh and Laura to Asia to encourage uh, some of our missionaries. And a week later, we were working out an evacuation plan to bring them here. In December, no one had heard of the coronavirus, just that something was going on in China. And I mean, That was not that long ago. Think about all that has changed, right? Think of all the craziness that has gone over this this year. If our hope were in this world, if our hope were in this nation, if our hope were in Loudoun, we would be undone. And so praise God that he has been working some supreme works growth in, in the term of contentedness. Yet we've sought more, and that has led the Elder Board to be uh, involved in influencing and petitioning governmental authorities, working with, with health experts, working with other uh, gospel partners. It's led to creating new ways for families to, to lead worship together in their households, it, it, first in dispersion, and then in small groups, and then meeting together in a field, and finally in this building, our elders have experienced the encouragement and the difficulties of working with not just our congregation, but with these gospel partners and others. They've made Herculean efforts, our elders and, our, and, and, and those who we've called to assist us in calling through the directory, making contact, finding out what the needs are, and, and, and reaching out to those especially in extreme isolation They've embraced new technologies, new techniques, new methods, new venues to express and practice an ancient and unchanging gospel. And they have endured questions and concerns and hurts and and questions about their motivations and, and, and their actions. We are blessed to have the elders that we have on the board now. We're blessed to have the elders that we've had that have led us to this point. All these circumstances, all these situations, they have been growing in contentedness. It has been a joy to watch this, to see them content again in this steady confidence that God's care and power are at work in our faithfulness. Yet in that contentedness, we still want more. And I believe that this more is the same thing that Paul wanted. Going back to my question from the opening, if today we were separated from you, what would I want? I want the fruit to superabound into your account, into your logos, your accounts to our God among each other and before the world, and the evidence of that Fruit superabounding abounding in the, in the life of our Christians here at FCBC would be Christ followers who are able, and here's we'll get, we'll get into the list. I'm not normally a list guy, but I've got a list here. It would be Christ followers who are able to apprehend the justification of the gospel salvation, who are able to grow in obedience to the gospel's commands, who are able to articulate the truth of the gospel's message who are able to make disciples in the gospel's mission, and who can die as witnesses to the gospel's hope. We seek that you might not just have head knowledge of the gospel, but that you would apprehend it, that you would grasp it, take hold of it. We want you, every one of you, to understand that we are all sinners, sinners worthy of the wages of damnation and death, which our sins have earned, but offered instead the grace of God through the life, persecution, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And through that grace that we are justified and made right before God. But then we want that knowledge to move from your head to your heart, that you take hold of it, that like the Philippians, that he who began a good work in you might bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ, and that you might be partakers with us of grace. We seek the fruit that comes from you working out your own salvation with fear and trembling, and yet we want even more, because we seek not just that you could apprehend the justification of the gospel's salvation, but that you would grow in obedience to the gospel's commands. Truly, truly, Jesus said, whoever hears my word and believes in him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come under condemnation, condemnation, but is passed from death to life. That eternal security that comes with our conversion, from passing from death to life, comes not with glassy seas, but with storms, right? With hurricanes, with, with tumults. As Paul tells the Philippians, for it has been granted to you for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. Engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. Just like Christian, the main character in a pilgrim's progress, God has set before every one of us a path to walk, one that's filled with various trials, dangers, obstacles, persecutions, and unless he returns first, death. And those trials are not for our ruin, but for us to be trained in them, to grow in righteousness through them. We pray that you would not be alone on the, in this obedience, the gospel path. And because of that, this is why we we emphasize discipleship that you may we may hear of you who are standing firm in one spirit Paul writes with one mind striving side by side for faith in the gospel and not freight, frightened in anything by your opponents we seek we pray that for this obedient walk on the gospel path and that it will cause gospel growth and that like the Philippians through those trials your love may abound more and more so that you with knowledge and all discernment that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless at the day of Christ filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God and we still want more than that we seek that, having apprehended the justification of, of the gospel's salvation, being, able, being growing along in obedience on the gospel's commands or to the gospel's commands, that you are able to articulate the truth of the gospel's message. We seek that you would not only be able to frame the gospel in words, thoughts or even pictures on a board, but that you would be able to articulate it in the context of your own story. We seek that, like many of the Philippians, your partnership in the gospel would be striving side by side with others through these fiery trials and and cause you to become confident in the Lord and much more bold to speak the word without fear. We seek that you would be emboldened to proclaim the gospel, not by a particular method, but by gospel involvement in your particular circumstances, in your story, that you could show, as Paul did to the Philippians, how the matchless and unending sovereign grace of God not only convicted you to count your past life, status, and accomplishments as loss, to count them as rubbish, right? That that you might gain Christ, be found in him, not not having a righteousness of your own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness of God that depends on faith, that you might know him and the power of resurrection, and that you might share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, you might attain the resurrection from the dead thousand times yes this is what we want for all of us we seek this for you and we still want more because we seek that the fruit that abounds into your account that might as as you have apprehended that justification of gospel salvation as as you have have grown in obedience to the gospel's commands, as you've articulated the truth of the gospel message, that you would not stop here and be satisfied with mere converts, but instead you would continue your obedience and make disciples in the gospel's mission. If our salvation were merely for our own good, or that we might proclaim that salvation to others, then Paul's work with the Philippians was already done at this point. The church was well established, the people knew the gospel, they were passing it on to others, and yet even though he desired, he says earlier in Philippians, that he desired to depart and be with Christ, he knew that 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 would be far better, and yet he said, I'm going to remain in the flesh because it's more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, Paul knew that he would remain and continue with the Philippians for their progress and joy in the faith and so he wrote to them brothers join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us you're making disciples you're teaching them what I taught you keep doing that keep watching me what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. We seek the fruit to superabound into your account, your logos. Imitate us as we imitate Christ and learn from our mistakes when we don't. Teach others to do the same, pass along the gift that you have been given. As Paul wrote to Timothy, what you have seen and heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust to reliable men who will be able to teach others also. We seek this, and again, we seek even more because again, unless he returns first, we know from Hebrews that it is appointed for man to die once. And if you are to die, may you die well having apprehended the justification of the gospel's salvation, being secure in in where your destination is, having grown in obedience to the gospel's commandments, knowing that despite your shortcomings that God's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant as you articulated the truth of the gospel's message, and as you go home, find many people that perhaps were brought to Christ through your efforts, at least in part. And having made disciples, being filled with the joy of being reunited with your spiritual children and grandchildren, may you die as witnesses of the gospel's hope. We have no desire... For you to die, or for you to die soon. But as Professor Keating said in Dead Poets Society, we are food for worms. Each and every one of us in this room is one day going to stop breathing, turn cold, and die. And we, your elders, or whoever follows us in gospel partnership, seek this, That at your bedside, perhaps in this pulpit, at your graveside, that we can give praise to God that you have died as a witness of the gospel's hope. If that elder is me, I want to stand in as much confidence as I did a week and a half ago be able to declare with no doubting that you have been justified by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Sanctified with evidence of gospel growth and obedience. That you have proclaimed the light of the gospel in this dark world. And you have shown others how to imitate you to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. So much so that in your last days and your last breaths that they were witness. The word for witness in Greek is martis. That's where we get martyr from. That they were witness to gospel hope. So that those who bear witness to your life and to your death can see the truth in Paul's words to the Philippians, that to die is Christ, or to live is Christ, and to die is gain. That like Epaphroditus, you risked or even gave up your life for the work of Christ. And that fruit is not what saves you, but it is proof of your citizenship in heaven. And the evidence of the promise that you have in our Savior Jesus Christ. That he will transform your lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. That is what your elders seek for you, for this fruit to superabound into your account. And if we seek those, we need to invest in those. The soil needs to be prepared. The seed needs to be planted and watered. The roe needs to be weeded. The vine needs to be pruned if we are to see this healthy fruit. And so your elders and the mature Christ followers in this congregation are indeed committed to do that. And whatever needs to be the next step of faith that you have to take, we have somebody in this church that wants to help you take it. Do you need help to understand, to comprehend, to to lay hold of the basics of the gospel salvation? We will walk through it with you, that the seed might plant itself deeply into the soil of your heart and take root. You need someone to teach you how to grow in obedience to the gospel's commands, whether it's obedience in general or to a specific matter. We want you to help grow into that mature disciple of Christ. I encourage you to join one of our small groups. we get another one starting tonight. You can share your life with others. You can learn. You can be encouraged in your walk. Would you consider getting involved in some of the ministries? And try to live out the gospel's commands together as a church. Do you need help being able to articulate the gospel? Richard Burley in December is going to provide two Sunday school classes to help you with one way to do that. We can also help you learn how to meld that into your context, to your coworkers, to your schoolmates, to your friends, your neighbors, your family. As you mature in your walk, bearing the fruit that is the result of God's faithful investment in your life, are you ready to make those same kinds of investments in the lives of others? Can we help you start another small group or or find a a person to meet in one-on-one discipleship? These Christ-centered relationships in, in, in which we can invest as God and others have invested in us. Come serve in youth group, in Bible Explorers, Sunday School, Children's Church, the nursery. It is these small steps of faith that build up to a life and one day a death that will bear witness to gospel hope. Please make our joy complete by being in the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind in our gospel salvation, path, message, mission, and hope. We do believe that we are being made more content, and we hope that the church as a whole is learning this contentedness too, but we seek more, and praise God that I think we saw through this summer that even if we were taken away from each other this gospel does not depend on a single person uh, or a board of people or ministry leaders but that it will continue through the people who are called by Christ let us pray and then we'll sing a closing hymn God thank you for your gospel for your grace, where we deserved condemnation, for your love, for your patience. Thank you for the mission you've given us to proclaim, to make disciples, to live in obedience, to, to just lay hold of our salvation and move closer to you. Uh, regardless of, of what happens in the next days or weeks, months, Years, if we have those, may you be glorified. May you be glorified in Christ Jesus and in the church forever and ever. Amen.